Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Story time. About 15 years ago, I traveled to Spain with my best friend. We were both around 20 at the time, living the carefree young adult life. You know, just two guys having a great time. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We were in a warm country, no carefully filled itinerary whatsoever, just living in the moment, doing whatever we felt like. My friend, who originally came from Spain, still had family there, which made the month-long travel very affordable since they offered us free accommodation, a roof over our head, a working bathroom with fresh showers and three meals a day if we liked. 
They also gave us a spare key so we could come and go just as we liked. During the day we often went swimming to keep us as cool as possible and during the evenings we often explored the city, went for drinks or went to a club. On a certain day, somewhat more to the end of our month-long stay there, the father of our host family, my friend's uncle, took us out for a fishing trip. We had a lot of fun out on the sea, although the trip was cut short because we had a bit too much fun consuming beers. The burning summer sun, too many beers and the wavy feeling of being out on the open sea made for a very bad case of seasickness for both my friend and me. His uncle though it was funny though. After having had an afternoon rest, or as they called it siesta and a very fulfilling late night dinner, we decided to go back out to the beach. We took a couple of cold beers with us, however we didn't take many as we were still feeling a bit groggy from before. It was a beautiful night, open sky, no clouds, little to no light pollution, making the twinkling stars very visible and present. Being on vacation, being young, on a still warm but comfortable summer night with a light breeze and a starry sky, it was the perfect moment to talk about the meaning of life. About what we like to achieve one day, about what was worth it, or what wasn't. If there were any other intelligent life out there, if we would live for another 1000 years or not. The crashing of the waves against the sand of the beach and the rocks was very calming and was lulling us into a meditative state. Only that moment in that place seemed to exist. There was no outside world, no life with responsibilities, no obligations, no expectations, no working hard to get somewhere. It was that moment we noticed something was off. The crashing of the sea against the sand of the beach sounded. Different? Harder? Like something was moving in it? Under the waves a vague shape started to form. As it neared the shoreline it started to get the shape of a dog. We both looked at each other and noticed we had been holding our breaths for about a minute it took the dog to crawl from the sea to the shoreline. The tension broke because we both burst out laughing because we had been so easily startled by something so innocent. But then my friend asked the question that made the newly regained light mood go away in an instant. Where did that dog come from though? There's no one around and we never saw any dog go into the sea? Neither was there any dog swimming around, it came from under the water. Now that he had worded it like that, it seemed rather curious, and actually that dog seemed pretty big for any existing dog I had ever seen. As it was crawling along the beach, solely illuminated by the first quarter moon, it looked the size of a small horse, but in the shape of a dog or wolf with matted fur. It had very present, bony joints in its knees and elbows and walked a bit awkwardly. My friend and I were debating if we should follow the beast and decided we did actually want to find out what exactly it was. I took out my phone and started to film it. For as far as any 2008 smartphone could film in the dark. By the time we reached the place at the beach where it had left the water, it had already reached the sand dunes and disappeared in it. We saw it had left a track and decided to follow that into the dunes. We weren't prepared for what we saw next though. The beast had left a track in the wet sand in the form of individual hoof prints in a straight line instead of a crisscross pattern as with any four-legged animal. No horse could have walked in such a line, and even though it had looked like the size of a horse it hadn't looked anything like the shape of a horse. Neither were horses aquatic animals. 
We followed the track to the dunes and went over the first dune when we saw the beast standing about 10 meters from us, in a speck of moonlight. It didn't look anything like a dog either. It looked like it had the lower half of a goat and the upper half of something like a werewolf or something. Just, the dimensions were off, the shapes were awkward, it was such a big animal neither of us could place under any existing animal we knew of, with matted fur and bony joints, that had just come out of nowhere from under the water, but clearly could walk and survive on the land as well, that left hoof marks in a straight line. Because we had just stumbled through the bushes closely behind the beast and had given away our presence, it slowly started to turn its head towards us. While it was turning towards us, it stood on its hind legs. Not only was this an animal that came from under the water, as well as could survive on the land and walk on four legs. It could clearly stand and walk very well on two legs as well. The beast gained even more size by standing on its hind legs and must have been around 2,5 meters big. It stared at us with red glowing eyes. These were not to be mistaken with the eyes of any nocturnal animal with reflective eyes, these were actually glowing from within. I felt stuck in my spot, completely frozen, but luckily my friend who was two steps behind me had the mind to run away and pull me with him. We ran for what felt like an hour but must have been closer to 10 minutes because we reached the house of my friend's family before we knew it. The beast hadn't followed us, or at least not all the way. We went in and told the entire story to his uncle. Of course he thought we must have been still drunk and tired and had seen things that weren't there. But when we showed him the recording, he went pale. He took a shovel, a gun would have been more impressive against a beast like that but it's not like the average European just has guns lying around, and asked us to show us where we had seen it. We searched for almost two hours but didn't find the beast again. However we did find the hoof marks, albeit a bit washed up because of the current of the sea. We went back home, trying to make something of what we had just seen, but couldn't. We needed to know what animal we had just seen. We started googling all kind of things. Of course with the lower half of the beast looking like a goat, we stumbled upon a lot of myths about the devil, which we discarded. We had seen an actual live beast that wasn't known by humanity yet and wanted to know if any other people had ever seen anything like it. It was only when we googled hoof marks one straight line that we stumbled upon the term the devil's footprints. So it was an actual thing, or at least something that had supposedly been seen before according to myths and stories but they must have had some truth to them since they described exactly what we had just seen with our own eyes. The few days we had left in Spain, we spent our nights out with my friend's uncle trying to find the beast again, but to no purpose, as we never saw it again. When I came home a few days later I saved the recording on my hard drive, not sure what to do with it yet. I didn't want to be the crazy guy that had seen the devil, because I still don't believe I did. I just want to know what animal this was and how come we haven't documented this beast yet. I tried to forget about it, but couldn't and a year later I decided I wanted to publish the recording in the hope anyone could make any sense of what we had seen that night. The uncle of my friend hadn't seen the beast in all that time and had asked around in the town if anyone had ever seen it, which they didn't. I had switched phones by then, but luckily I had the recording saved on my desktop where I had replayed it at least a thousand times. I booted up my desktop and something was wrong. 
I had to restart my desktop a couple of times and after booting it up in safe mode I got the message my hard drive had crashed. I tried whatever was possible to try, but I couldn't recover the recording in any way. 15 years later I'm still breaking my head over what the beast we encountered could have been, but by now it's a story my friends believe to be for making conversation. Only that friend and his uncle are still branded by the experience as well. My friend even took it so far to go live in Spain again, near the beach where it all happened and still continues to actively look for the beast to this day. Maybe one day he'll find it? Yellowstone National Park is a breathtaking wonderland of natural beauty, with its stunning geysers, pristine lakes, and towering mountains. As a park ranger, I was lucky enough to spend my days exploring this magnificent wilderness, watching over the plants and animals that called it home. But one night, everything changed. I was on patrol when I heard a strange noise in the distance. It sounded like a cross between a howl and a growl, and it chilled me to the bone. I followed the sound, careful to keep my flashlight trained on the path ahead. That's when I saw it, a creature unlike anything I had ever seen before. It was tall, with shaggy brown fur and glowing red eyes that seemed to burn into my soul. It had razor-sharp teeth and long claws that glinted in the moonlight. I tried to approach it, to get a closer look, but it was too fast. It darted off into the woods, leaving me standing there, alone and trembling. The next day, I reported my sighting to my supervisor, but he just laughed it off. He said I must have been tired, or that my imagination was playing tricks on me. But I knew what I had seen. That werewolf was real, and it was out there, lurking in the shadows of Yellowstone National Park. And I couldn't shake the feeling that it was watching me, waiting for its chance to strike. I live in the Boxford Topsfield area. There have been several sightings here. They have fascinated me for years, but recently, several events happened that made these events more of an urgent matter. To start, sightings of a potential dogman in the area go back years. I first heard of them on a campout with my Cub Scout troop. Every summer, we had a one-night campout at a campsite in the woods behind Boy Scout Park. I was a senior Webelo at the time, so I was one of the older kids on the campout. Everything went well until it was dark. Some of the boys decided to play a game of manhunt, which is like hide and seek. I was one of the seekers, and we found all but three people within 30 minutes. At this point, practically everyone was looking for the remaining players. Most games of manhunt usually go like this. Everyone but the good hiders are found quickly, and the remainder of the game is spent looking for the final players. I was searching with a group of three other boys. We were checking some of the more obscure trails when we heard screaming. A kid who was about a year younger than me came running out of the woods. He was in hysterics, and we took him to the counselors at the campsite. Once they calmed the kid down, he said that he saw a werewolf in the woods where he was hiding. Obviously, the counselors didn't believe him, but they sent us all to our tents. I think they were worried that the kid saw a coyote. There have been several odd events since then, and this has caused the story to move from a playground rumor to a local legend. 
I think it's worth mentioning that most of these sightings came from kids. Once I started 7th grade, conversation about the events died down and I mostly forgot about them. Oddly enough, there was one kid who claimed to see the creature until 8th or 9th grade when I fell out of contact with him. He loved the outdoors and was super energetic. For a while, the creature was all he'd ever talk about. He'd go on and on about seeing it in the woods while hiking or camping. I used to think he was trying to play a trick on us, but now I'm not so sure. Recently, something happened that dragged these memories back to the forefront of my mind. My 10-year-old brother saw something around a week ago. My family and I live in a house that is right next to a large area of forest. My brother doesn't go into the woods often, but he loves to play in the yard. One evening, he came in earlier than usual. He was out of breath and seemed scared. I asked him what was wrong, and he said that he saw a monster. I assumed that he saw an animal of some sort, so I asked him how big it was. He pointed to a spot on the wall that was around 8 feet up. I asked him to describe the creature he saw. He said the creature was covered in black fur, had a tail, had a head that looked like a dog's and massive claws. He told me that he was playing on our tire swing when he started to feel uneasy for no apparent reason. He then saw this creature right on the edge of the woods surrounding our yard. It didn't chase him or anything, it just looked at him. The moment my brother saw it, he ran inside. My blood ran cold, and I told him to go talk to my mom. She thinks he saw an animal and isn't letting him play outside past 5 anymore. At this point, I was pretty scared for my brother. I spent the next day researching what he saw and came across stories about dogmen. Later that night, I was considering reaching out to ask people what they thought about whatever is going on in Boxford when I heard howling outside my window. I immediately grabbed my phone and was able to record them. I'll attach the video. You can't see anything, but you can hear the howls clearly. The part of this that is really unnerving to me is the fact that all these sightings are coming from kids. There haven't been any attacks that I know of. I was still trying to rationalize the events at this point until my brother came home from school one day saying that his friend saw the creature too. This absolutely terrified me and I reached out for help on Reddit. I was hoping I could get some answers on why the creature here is targeting kids, and whether it's a serious risk or not. I've read some pretty disturbing stories about dogmen, and was wondering what I should do. This happened Thursday night of February 16th, 202. So I recently got probation for 18 months. So I decide to smoke out my lungs. My setting was in my backyard, I'm around trees. I sat down thinking nothing, while facetiming my girl. I smoked about 2 gram blunts going on to the third, as I'm smoking my third blunt halfway blunt my tuxedo cat came to me out of nowhere. He usually knows when I'm outside smoking, he's my cat since I was kid. He meowed couple of times and started circling around me like if he's doing some type of circle protection. While he's doing this we hear noises coming from the woods, sounded like mice or rats or possum. I didn't think much about it, I just started smoking and staring at the stars saying to myself in my mind whatever comes out of those woods I'll just scared it off. 30 seconds later this horrible scary sound of like scratching down a tree. 
Like a imagine a werewolf with his claws scratching a tree. The sound that will produce. My body and eyesight got different because I was in a state of shock. No knowing what was that sound because I never ever heard it in my life, to identify what it is. So as soon as I heard that I looked up and just my cat running towards where the sound came from. And he just sat down in front of a tree. I, staring at him my eyesight was different. It was gloomy like if it was a acid trip. My cat came back to me and started meowing so I took that as a get the f out of here. So I did walked fast to my front yard. Two summers ago, as my friend was going home, they saw something tall and broad cross the road about 50 yards in front of their car. From what they said, it had wide shoulders, a narrow waist, and a box-like head. They think the sound of their car caused it to pause. When it did, one of its triangular ears flicked. They slowed down, unsure of what they were seeing. Whatever this was took a few steps and disappeared onto the other side of the road. After telling me this, I went out to the area and took some photos. It's in a somewhat swampy area with trees all around. The road is rather isolated and the slope along either side is not steep, it's a gradual decline to the water's edge. Deer are plentiful in this area. It sounds very much like my friend saw a dogman, but can't be sure. They said they were in such shock at what they were seeing, they could not provide a lot of detail as to height, weight, etc. This happened very near the Tennessee and Kentucky border. Has anyone else seen anything in the western Tennessee area? So, this is second-hand account, coming from a close friend who has given me no reason to doubt them. Main event, February 27, 2023 My friend was driving home from work, and passing down my country road sometime between 5 p.m. and 5.59 p.m. less than a mile from my house, at the end of my township, within 1,000 feet of the closest house, he saw an unknown creature. It was at the edge of the road, as if it were about to cross. It was pitch black, very furry, had a bobbed tail, and the face of a pit bull. I could see its jowls. It had dog-like ears, slender, but muscular, and was standing on all fours. When it saw me, it paid no attention to me, but slowly turned around and leapt back into the woods. When it leapt, it jumped like a frog. Its legs were turned out, just like a frog's. It was appropriately the size of a Great Dane, on all fours. He was uncertain if it had humanoid feet, and couldn't identifying much else. Where he reported to have seen it is in a wooded area, right beside a small bayou, and there is a notable nook that leads off into the woods right around where he saw it. The very same night after he saw it, I heard strange noises around midnight, akin to something climbing a wooden structure, thuds, and the sound of wood bowing. Side events, possibly unrelated, six or so years ago, I saw something strange leap between one section of woods to another, across a highway, about a half mile from my home. It was black, hairy, and ape-like at a glimpse. About three years ago, me and my wife heard a tapping on the window behind us, around midnight. We laughed about it at first, but my cousin from across the street called me moments after and said there's something big in your yard, 
I could hear it running through your yard. It's in the woods now. We investigated, and heard it rustling through trees, but never saw it. The next morning, outside the window that was tapped on was a large humanoid footprint. Barefoot. To tap on the glass would require something to stand, upright, at least five feet minimum, given the lifted foundation. About three years ago, me and a buddy were hanging out, and we saw something strange walk into my cousin's yard, across the street. It was large, black, and furry. It walked on all fours, and appeared like a pig at first glance. We scoped in on it, and couldn't determine what it was. It had a dog-like snout, but the stature and build of a hog. It was about the size of a large hog, or perhaps a large bear cub. I don't remember it having a tail. It sniffed around his house, circled it, and went back into the woods. About a year ago, I was driving at night from the far end of my road. There is a curve approximately a half mile from where my friend reported seeing the creature. In the curve, as I banked a bit, my headlights shined into the woods and revealed I shine, about six feet off the ground. I stopped the car next to where the eye shine was, to examine it. I didn't see anything else, but the smell of rotting meat flooded the car, and I promptly left. About a year ago, I was outside around midnight, when I heard a strange noise in my cousin's yard. I shined a flashlight over there, and caught some eye shine at average height from the ground. It looked at me, and kept walking into the wood line. In my experience, if you spotlight something and can see its eye shine, they stop and stare at you. This thing kept going, but watched me the whole time. I continued to shine into the wood line for a bit longer, and it returned, about 15 feet down the wood line. It stared at me from within the woods, and turned around. I continued to shine my light, and caught it one more time in the same place as the second encounter. It looked at me for a moment, and turned away. I didn't see the eye shine again. At the time, I had an eerie feeling that it seemed to sentient to be a deer or a hog. Maybe a big cat, but no normal woodland critter from around here. Bonus event, probably unrelated, for the past two weeks, my entire property has reeked of skunk. Our house gets sprayed from time to time by local skunks, but the smell usually dissipates after two days. This time, it's almost been two weeks, and the smell is pungent, even out on the road by my house. My home seems to be the epicenter, but the smell extends around 100 yards around my home, and all directions. All of these instances were just strange coincidences, until my friend saw this creature yesterday. Now, I'm not ruling them out as possible encounters with this creature. Any and all guesses as to the nature of this creature are appreciated. I was in a hotel in Italy once. I went there all alone and the first night I tried to sleep in my room, something started happening. As I was laying in bed and slowly falling asleep, someone would knock at my door. It knocked and I heard the voice of my mom saying sire, open the door. I looked up against the door in fear and thought no way, that can't be my mom because she wasn't in Italy at all? I was shocked but I tried to go back asleep, without responding or standing up. So it starts knocking again and I look up at the door again. Sire, open the door, my mom with a very sad voice. 
It was frightening and my heart would pump. I decided to stand up and walk slowly to the door. There was a peephole in that door and I watched through. Across the hallway I saw this black figure with a black hat, just standing still in the shadow and watching me. No face to be recognized. I stepped slowly back and went back to bed. Much more things would follow, before I finally fell asleep. But when I woke up in the morning and walked to the door, I would realize, that there was no peephole in that door at all. I was freaked out, because I was 100% sure that I was awake when all those things happened last night. This was out in rural Kansas and I was with a group of friends. I wasn't from that area and was only visiting so they wanted to show me the sights of the area. They were from a small town surrounded by even more rural and small towns so they often explored the area looking for ways to pass the time. It was late at night and we were cruising down a highway passing names of towns that probably wouldn't even show up on a map. They were taking me to this abandoned house they'd found a while ago that they liked to explore and they admitted it was creepy. So of course, we went to the house. I remember them taking us off the highway down a dirt road and parking in the ditch. Luckily, the abandoned house wasn't too far back from the road and we reached it quickly. We were all using our phones as flashlights and when we got up to the house I truly didn't think too much of it. Maybe I was feeling braver than I actually was but being with a big group of mostly guys who had been there before I felt pretty safe. We all stepped inside the house and I was a little spooked by now and mostly praying the floor didn't collapse under our weight. We stayed on the first floor and looked around. It really wasn't much. Just an abandoned living room. One of the guys told me that during the daylight they had gone into the basement and was trying to see if we were all brave enough to go in the dark. I instantly noped, but a few guys were up for it. Myself and the only other girl in the group stood back as we watched the guys descend down the stairwell. They hadn't even made it all the way down when from across the room we heard knocking. All of a sudden everyone is screaming and running back to the car. When we were back in the safety of the vehicle the guy who was closest to that side of the house when the knocking started said it had come up from under his feet. Maybe it was squatters. Maybe it was a demonic entity. I, but I'm never going back in an abandoned building. I was working down at South Pole Station in Antarctica drilling and processing ice cores. One day when we had off, probably a Sunday, we went over to visit the small tent area operated by a private company. This is the group that you can pay thousands of dollars to if you want to go to South Pole as a tourist. At any rate, I'm over there talking with their camp manager with a few of my fellow researchers. It was particularly low visibility that day and the wind was howling. We stepped back outside the main tent to head back to the main South Pole station, about one half mile away, when we noticed a faint figure coming out of the snow. We watched as it got clearer and realized eventually that it was a man skiing. Dragging equipment. He came up to us and introduced himself as Henry Worsley. He told us he was skiing across all of Antarctica and just happened to be the day he arrived at a pole. He wasn't allowed to accept any aid, so simply chatted with us and moved on. It was all so eerie. We found out a few weeks later that Henry died before completing his journey. 
I realized even later that that pictures I took of him may very well be the last of him alive and it really made the whole experience even more unsettling. Where I was living in 2005, my bedroom was in my basement, and I had a mirror, which, I'll mention, was in the room at my old house when my step-grandpa died. I had a ton of strange things happen in that house. I was lying in bed sleeping when I suddenly woke up, and felt wide awake instantly. I looked at the clock and saw it was 3 AM. I rolled over to face my room and pulled open the curtains around my bed. In the corner, even though it was really dark, I saw several round-headed black shadows flickering in and out of my mirror. One of them was just standing there. It was like the others except it had a brimmed hat, like a fedora or something. As I was pretty accepting of the paranormal even then, I asked them what they were doing and if they needed anything. They all stopped and turned around, staring at me with huge round glowing eyes. The one with the hat had red eyes. They just stood there for so long, I was pretty unnerved. Too scared to leave my bed, I closed the curtains again, rolled over and lay there until I fell back asleep about 40 minutes later. Before that, in about 1994, I saw my first UFO after that the next day, I was home alone doing my homework, when there was a loud, forceful knock at the door. It was the only time our door knocker was ever used, I think, it had to be that because it was so loud. I also thought it odd because we did have a doorbell. I felt incredibly uneasy as I approached the door, and looked through the movable peephole. It was facing forward and slightly up. It was a beautiful bright sunny day, which made what was at my door seem that much more crazy. It was the shadow or silhouette of a man in a hat. I frantically kept my gaze on the unmoving, pure pitch black silhouette for about three minutes, when the knock came again without this thing moving, even harder and louder than before. I silently retreated to my parents' room, where I hid until my dad got home. I hadn't told anyone but my diary about my seeing the UFO. I'd never heard of the hat man back then. I figured it was AMIB now I wonder if they're not the exact same thing. One time in middle school, my buddies and I stayed the night in a tent on some land behind my house. After a couple of hours we noticed the sound of a metal chain rattling very faintly. I live on a farm, so we assumed it was just an animal messing with a gate or something. About 15 minutes. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend that I don't right (laughs) Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.
Later my buddy stepped outside to take a leak and he stopped dead in his tracks with a look of horror on his face. We rushed out to see what he was looking at. It was a medium-sized, mangy German Shepherd and a large, dirty Great Pyrenees. They both had collars on with broken chains about three feet long that drug along the ground. We shined a flashlight on the dog's faces and it revealed that the dirt on the Great Pyrenees hair was all blood. It was down its jaw in front of its chest. We took off and ran about 100 to 150 yards back to my house to tell my dad. The dogs didn't follow us or bark or anything, they just sat there and watched. My dad got a shotgun and went out looking for them, but came back 45 minutes later and said that he had found nothing. At this point he didn't even believe us and told us to just sleep in the house the rest of the night and shut up. The next morning my dad gets a call from our neighbor up the road to tell him that his border collie was killed the night before. It had bite marks all along its throat and torso and was practically tore apart. That's when my dad believed us, and we never saw those two dogs again. I was in a commercial building yesterday when I needed to use the washroom. So I borrowed a key card from one of the offices and went to the washroom on that floor. It was a pretty small washroom with three stalls and two sinks. When I walked in the washroom, a woman has just walked out from the first stall and started washing her hands. I didn't want to use right after her so I went to the third stall. I locked the stall. Then I lifted the toilet cover and found that it was nasty inside. So I went back outside to use the second stall. The woman was still washing her hands. I headed in the second stall as the woman asked in my direction Catherine you done yet? I was confused AF. But then, I heard a voice from the third stall replying not yet. Maybe you should head back to office first. I was very confused and I finished using as soon as possible. All three stalls were empty as I got out. But I didn't hear anyone entering or leaving the washroom. The washroom door has to be unlocked with a card when entering and leaving which makes a beep sound. I still could not comprehend what happened now. In my early 20s, a friend and I decided to go out into the mountains of western Utah. It's very secluded. We saw one person while we drove out to the place. The nearest town was easily 30 miles away. We went out to gold pan, drink and just generally get away. The roads were rough and looked to be rarely used. It's rocky desert mountains that is covered in juniper trees. So we find an old wash and set up camp. We looked for gold until nightfall, didn't find any, so we set up our sleeping bags in the back of my truck. So we go to sleep. I wake up to the slightest noise, my wife says a mouse fart could wake me up. Now here's where it gets strange. I wake up and remember seeing lights. Not from the fire, not from my truck, but it flooded the area. I sat up and then my memory stops. I wake up and chalk it up to a dream and think nothing of it. I didn't dwell on it and just put it to the back of my mind. Then realized six or so months later that it wasn't a dream. I distinctly remember rolling to my back and grabbing the side of my truck to lift myself up. I remember the white light bathing the area. Now, I'm not one to believe abductions or anything like it, but this has me on the fence. 
We were east of Area 51 by about 150 miles. I don't remember the source of the light, I don't remember laying back down. This one is what I assume to be a person. While camping in the mountains of southern Wyoming, we were off the main road by about half a mile. There was an open meadow to our north and thick forest to the east, west and south. Before sundown, I went into the woods to the east of us and gathered some wood. This isn't a hugely used area, as the roads are rough and it's kind of a local gem that not many people know about. So it was odd to come upon some sort of structure made from felled trees. There were a ton of carvings into the aspen trees all around the structure. Now I say structure, because it wasn't a teepee or lean-to. It was almost a mix between them. With a fire pit dug out in the center. Altogether not too creepy. It was actually pretty cool, because at the peak of it, was probably 20 feet high. The carvings were weird, they weren't letters or numbers, but symbols. Some of which I've never seen. So I take what wood I could find and throw it in the fire and get ready for bed. I wake up to a noise. Small animal scurrying around the tent, I'm not too worried. I shuffle and the animal runs off. I see a light moving through the tent and figure it's a car coming down the road. I sit there and think about it and realize it's not coming from the direction of the road, but from where the structure was. So I unzip the flap and look through the screen. It was a flashlight, walking through the woods. I can see the wobble of the person walking, but the light is making it impossible to see the person. Now, we are miles from town at least 15 miles and no campground for miles. There was no tents or campers anywhere near us. I look at my watch and it's 2 AM. So, someone is walking through dense forest at 2 AM during a weekday. I sit back and watch as it stops. It's got to be at the structure or right near it. So as I sit and watch the light, it's not moving. Not looking the felled trees up and down, or looking around. It's just sitting there. It sat still for five minutes and didn't move, didn't shuffle, nothing. Completely still. So I grab my mag light and turn it on in the direction of the light. As I shine it on them, the light turns off and I see someone step behind a tree. I keep it there and yell out hello. Nothing. So I wake up my wife and kids and put them in the truck and lock it. Trying to sleep in there, I couldn't. My adrenaline was rushing through my veins as I stared toward where they were. No movement, no lights, nothing. I get an uneasy feeling and keep looking for movement. Something didn't sit right with me. I can't explain it, it was just off. So I get out and pack up the tent and start the truck up. As I pull out of my campsite, the lights hit the tree line and I swear that I saw someone tuck back into the trees. It was so fast that by the time I pointed out to my wife, they were hidden already. Both times I was armed and it did help me feel somewhat safer in the second instance. The Duke of Edinburgh Award, Outdoors Expeditions Program in UK, director at my school told me once he was out on an expedition in Papua New Guinea with five capable teenagers doing the Gold Award, top tier, get to meet royalty to receive the award etc, and an XSAS man to help the guys. They had to get a local guide to help them through the jungle. One morning, several days into the expedition, 
The guide isn't there when they wake up along with their maps and satellite phone. This was a few years ago so no GPS. They quickly come to terms that they are screwed. They have at best 4 days of supplies. It would take 6 days to go back the way they came. I remember the DOF director telling me it was the only time he has ever seen the S as guy in true SAS mode. He usually fooled around a bit. I'm fairly sure they followed a nearby river for a day or so and found a group of local fishermen purely by chance. The fishermen took them to a more major town and they sorted themselves out from there. I can't imagine how scary it would be to wake up six days of hiking into the middle of a jungle with essentially nothing but a compass and a few days supplies. Just a note, this was quite a long time ago, before truly strict set of rules to do with Duke of Edinburgh were established. I can't remember fully, but I think the guide's brother was badly ill. After calling the hospital, with the phone, he found his brother had only a week or so to live after a sudden bad turn in the illness. He left without a clear head in the middle of the night, forgetting to take the maps out of his pack. I think the team got a special mention in the award ceremony at Buckingham Palace and the expedition leader got some sort of award for getting them back safely. When I was three, I had my first dream that I can remember. I was in a single room tiny house furnished with a single round white table and a white chair. On the chair was a blue vase with a single daisy. One small square window with typical panels. Then there is an earthquake, shaking and destroying everything. I was terrified, until the door rang. I answered and a tall figure in a black coat, hat and no face would be there hiding a basket of kittens. I have always loved cats so I gladly accepted. Then woke up. Had the same dream every single night until I was about 13. That dream he didn't have a basket of kittens, he had a knife and killed me. I remember feeling it, like in my body and after I was dead he would murmur things to himself and I could hear him dragging my body. So my dreams would turn into getting killed by him every night, in different ways, never the same twice. Fast forward to 25, I met a shaman, his name is Ron Solar really interesting guy. He gave me holy water from the Nile and did a bunch of blessings and taught me how to cast him away, as he has dealt with people who experience it before. Now 31, I haven't had a dream where I was killed, but sometimes if I'm feeling upset, sad, vulnerable, he makes appearances in my dreams. Side note, dreams are awesome if you aren't getting killed. After speaking with several people and trying to gather a better understanding, it seems like this energy, spirit, demon, whatever is it, attaches to your vulnerability. I clearly remember having my first dream the same time I was essayed by a babysitter and no one believed me. The assault continued till about 11 years old. That's just my experience with it. I always feel like a fool talking about this because I know it sounds ridiculous but I also feel a sense of fear when I think about it. When I was a teenager and in my early 20s, university, I had quite a lot of unexplained experiences. I didn't have anyone to guide me on how to hone my sensitivity so I think I was left open to be vulnerable. Among other things, I was often visited in dream-slash-visions by the so-called hat man. I always understood him to be not of God. 
Not Satan himself but definitely something coming from that realm. I had a few encounters with him. No face, just a dark silhouette with a hat and overcoat, and often accompanied by small demons. In most cases these visions were extremely long ordeals and often would result in testing my faith. There was one time, I was probably around 18, in which I was in a rather surreal landscape. Very much like a Dali painting, not actually a Dali painting, but that kind of atmosphere. There was a moving staircase that was made of innumerable oddly shaped objects. Some were geometric, others were everyday objects, and all sort of moving in the same fashion as an escalator works. I was placed upon this thing and I was required to ascend it, and it was not easy because the various objects were not connected to each other, but they were firmly in position, so I was able to support my body where stepping on them like going up a flight of stairs. However, everything was in motion, the staircase also moved higher into the air and further away from the, I guess it was a sort of desert, down before, clearly an unpleasant place. I seem to recall a very ruddy dusty coloration of everything. The objective was to ascend the staircase and do everything to not fall between the cracks. And the only way to ascend was through my faith in God. I remember it being arduous and frightening, I was constantly calling out to angels and to God to help me. The hat man always just there silently watching, the little laughing imps beneath grabbing up at my ankles, every so often I'd miss my footing but then got back on again. I don't know how long it lasted but it felt like an extremely long time. Another episode he took me to an old Victorian styled house. It was nighttime, but there was an unidentified exterior light source, a sort of yellow-orange glow. Hat man was always able to communicate to me but not through words. I never felt direct fear in his presence but I was fearful whenever he would appear because I knew he was bad and that I would have to submit to another intense ordeal. For years after I would get anxious just thinking about him. But over time and seeing that so many other people have experienced him in guises has helped me to relax about it. Anyway, in this house, full of old objects much like you would find in a good quality antique store, I was handed this sort of goblet slash chalice that had five spherical encasings within it, about the size between a golf and tennis ball. I was made to understand that I would have to dodge a series of objects whilst catching five orbs into their specific places within the chalice. This is before I knew anything about Harry Potter and Quidditch, but you can sort of imagine it like having five snitches to catch. It was an exhausting ordeal, not in the least bit frightening, but I was besieged with tiny flying demons, various objects, and these orbs, I have no idea what they were exactly or what they were made of, were hard to catch. I ultimately caught three of five and was made to feel as though I hadn't done well enough but just enough for the time being. There was another element of testing my faith in this episode, and I remember the next day speaking to a friend about it who worshipped in a Pentecostal church and had the gift of the discernment of spirits. I am Catholic but we often shared this kind of gift and a sense of prophesy. There were other Hat Man episodes when I was young which were more terrifying but I have less recollection of their exact nature. After I witnessed the demon attached to a girl I went to school with, I made a post about it in one of the forums, combined with a desire to no longer see Hat Man I closed down those receptors. Haven't seen him or any demons since.
A couple years ago, back when I'm high school a group of us decided to go camping by a river where we live. We could drink down there and not get in trouble, we we set up a tent and stayed up late drinking. Had a fire going let it burn down and got in the tent to go to sleep. We were awoken at approximately 3-4 in the morning the a sound a really loud splashing in the water. Imagine taking long strides in a foot of water that's what it sounded like, but the water is at least 4 foot deep. We shined our flashlights out the window too scared to actually get out of the tent didn't see anything and the sound stopped so we choked it up to being a deer running by. Half asleep the sound happened again we all murmured what the f at the same time shined our lights again. This time reading out. Now this is in the Great Plains area. We all grew up here and our major outdoors people hunting, fishing, hiking you name it. So we're used to the wilderness and are completely comfortable in it. But something about this was so odd. If it were a deer our talking and lights would have ran it off. It happened one more time and I was tired and severely angry at this point so I got out shine the light around didn't see anything got the fire going and stayed up the rest of the night scanning the waters. I've spent more than my share of time alone in the woods, but one occasion definitely stands out as the creepiest thing I've experienced while no one else was around. I have a friend that has 40 acres outside of town that he has slowly converted into a subsistence farm for his family. Years ago when he mostly only had a dozen or so chickens out there I spent a few months living on the property in a tent while I was between seasonal work. At the time the property was decades neglected overgrown pasture land with a few clumps of denser woods. I had set up my tent and homestead right in the middle of the property in a small clear area between two densely wooded thickets. My friend would come by once a day to feed the animals, but other than that, there was zero chance of me seeing another human unless I left the property. I really enjoyed the solitude, and had taken to observing nature in a way that I had never really done before. When the incident occurred I had been living out there for about two months, so I was well used to the sounds of nature outside my tent at night. I had gotten to the point where I wouldn't even bother to get out of the tent and look if I heard a small animal walking past my tent at night. I had even gotten used to the sound that the roof of the pump house made when wind blew hard from the southeast. My friend had been short on nails when he was building the roof over the pump, so the southeast corner wasn't nailed down and a strong wind would cause the corner of the corrugated metal roof to peel up, and then crash down loudly when the wind stopped. It was about 200 feet away from my tent, so it had caused me to jump a bit when I first moved out there, but within a month it had just become another sound outside my tent at night. It was even sort of comforting, like some people that live in big cities say that they can't sleep without the sound of traffic outside their window. It probably helped that the sound was always paired with the sound of wind blowing through the trees. So one night I'm tucked in my sleeping bag, starting to drift off, when I hear the shed corner come crashing down. Nothing to worry about, I probably didn't even open my eyes. But then I hear what sounds like a person mimicking the sound the shed had made. Right outside my tent. My blood freezes in my veins, and my eyes open wide in the darkness and I hold perfectly still. I know that my friend has already come and gone hours before. 
I am alone on a piece of land that is large enough that there is no reason for a person to accidentally end up next to my tent in the middle of the night. After a few moments the wind makes the shed roof crash again. And again I heard a person mimic the crashing sound a few seconds later. I called out and asked if there was anyone there. No response. The shed roof crashed a third time, but this time there was no mimicking sound. So I am out of my sleeping bag, and out of my tent, flashlight in one hand, camp knife in the other. I shine my flashlight right where the fake crashing sound seemed to come from. Nothing. It's the edge of the woods, but the sound had been close, and I can see through the brush well enough to tell that there isn't a person hiding behind the bushes and low branches. I'm looking at the ground, and none of the dead leaves look particularly disturbed. I'm trying to figure out how far someone could have moved at a slow enough pace to not make enough sound for me to hear their footsteps on the leaf litter, answer, not very far, when the shed roof crashes again. And I hear the same fake crash sound again. Right next to me. Where I am 100% positive there isn't a person standing. At this point my heart is beating a mile a minute, and I am getting ready to believe in the supernatural. While sweeping my flashlight beam through the human free spot the sound seemed to be coming from, I see a bird. It's sitting in the low branches of a tree, at about head height. I stop moving the flashlight, and keep the beam on the bird for a moment. The bird opens its mouth, and makes the fake crashing sound. Oh, and the little guy stuck around for another month making the same sound, so I eventually got used to his sound at night as well but I resented it every time I heard it. Every year we take a three-day family canoe trip in central Pennsylvania. I was around 16 and brought some friends along for our journey. This is a pretty remote area with very limited cell phone reception and not many permanent residents. We take all of our gear with us in four canoes and just find a clearing for us to camp. The water level was low that year so it was slow going. The first day we relaxed and didn't paddle much, found a clearing and made camp. On the second day we had to make up some time, so we paddled until dusk. It was getting late and we were in a part of the river with mountains on both sides. There was a small path leading up between some pine trees and a small patch of sand that we could beach our canoes. We start unloading our supplies, I set out to see how much room there is for our campsite. Not 10 feet into the pine trees I see three tents torn to shreds, coolers strung out everywhere, clothing pieces half buried in the dirt. There isn't any way in or out from that campsite except the river. It was too late for us to look for a new spot, so we ended up staying there. That night every sound I heard was going to murder me. I could hear rustling leaves coming closer to the campsite then a loud crack from a log breaking. Our dog started growling and took off running after something. We could hear whatever he was chasing making its way up the mountain. Our dog returned a few minutes later thankfully. Woke up early after barely sleeping and got the hell out of there. When I was backing packing in the Sierras two summers ago I had set up camp at this beautiful spot I came across and spent the night there. Well since the campsite offered such a nice view I decided to stay there an extra night. About an hour after sunset I got into my tent and started to fall asleep. 
In the middle of the night I heard distinct footsteps nearby and I immediately thought it was a bear or mountain lion. Humans were mostly out of the option because I was three weeks into my trip and had only seen a couple of climbers 25 miles down the trail. The footsteps stopped but the hairs on the back of my neck were raised like never before. I could feel something outside my tent. I had my ice axe gripped in my hand and stayed still waiting for more noise all night. I woke up the next morning still gripping my axe and unzipped my tent. And in the middle of the fire ring I made was empty handle of Jose Wervo sitting in a pile of ashes. There were no footprints around and never heard or saw anyone for the next three days. So my girlfriend and I spent two years driving around the US and Canada, we are both Australian, our rule was pretty much, find somewhere cool to stop, pull over, relax and enjoy the nature and the freedom of our travels. We never really had any bad times during this whole experience. Except this one time. So we are staying at this little rest area on the coastal border between Oregon and Washington. It was beautiful. Right beside the ocean, sea otters on the rocks, cool sea breeze blowing through our van windows and the sound of chill water lapping against the rocky shore. Very peaceful. We went back into town after the sun had set to grab a pizza or something and returned to a now empty car park. Whatever, we are used to this, not a problem. We were just hanging out, watching shows on my computer at listening to the chill nothingness outside. It gets to about 10 pm and I decide to call it a night. As I am falling asleep my girlfriend looks out the window and now notices a red ute, pickup truck, at the furthest end of the car park like 50 meters away. There's a ute down there she says. I acknowledge this but don't really care haha. Ha. It drives away after sitting there for around 10 minutes. 5 minutes later it returns but a couple of park spots closer. That cars is back now I am in the edge of sleep, eyes closed, brain now switching off the last switches of awakedom. All I can muster is a grunt. 10 minutes pass. Car leaves. Car comes back. This time closer again. My girlfriend now wakes me up and explains what is happening. I look through our windows to see a very beaten up red ute, canopy on the back with completely blacked out windows. Now I'm feeling a little weird. I watch the car sit there, completely still and silent for another 10 minutes before it drives away only to return once again moments later. F. It is now maybe two car spaces away. We are watching this car presumably watching us. It is about 11 11.30 on a Wednesday night in a semi-lit car park in a foreign town in a foreign country. Being Australians this dude probably has a gun exchanges back and forth between my girlfriend and I this guy had parked so close that as soon as his door would open he would more or less be at our van before we could even get out of our bed, which is built in the back of the van, F this. I get out of my bed and crawl to the driver's seat alt while staring at his blacked out almost driverless windows. Get to the driver's seat and got the F out of there. Zoomed across the bridge and slept in the car park of a Fred Meyer. Just the fact that the fella kept parking closer and closer in an otherwise vacant car park. F man. A few weeks ago I hiked up to Lake Serene in Index, Washington. 
I started late and ended up at the lake around sunset. Seeing the sunset from high up is mesmerizing, I couldn't stop looking at the vivid colors. It was amazing how the purple mountains, the teal sky, and the orange light mixed together. As soon as the sun dropped I realized very suddenly that I had a two-hour hike back to my car. I was prepared for this, I had my headlamp and I had hiked alone at night before. I was okay up higher in the steep terrain but as I got lower, and the terrain leveled out, and I could hear running water I started to get uncomfortable. This is where the critters would be. As I passed a fairly loud waterfall and rounded a corner my surrounding went from loud white noise to almost complete silence in a few seconds. I felt an intense chill just from the silence, somehow it was better with all the noise. Anyway, almost as soon as I was freaked out by the silence I had something that sounded like a person popping their knuckle. Not a branch cracking, but a knuckle popping. I froze, I was terrified. Then I heard a thud with some decent bass to it and a breathy grunt. Then I heard the leaves rustle. I could hear everything, because I had stepped into a wired silent spot. I was freaking out. I wanted to know where it was so I could maybe freak it out with my headlamp and yelling. I was looking for eyes glowing back at me but I couldn't find anything. It was so much worse not knowing what was making the noise. I got very loud. I blew my emergency whistle a couple of times to scare it away. The worst part was that I still had another hour of walking through the pitch black mountain forest ahead of me. I was full on terrified the whole time. I was clapping and whistling loudly the whole way. If someone had come across me I would have seemed crazy. I had no idea what I ran into, or if it was flowing me the whole time. Sometimes I would stop making noise and I would swear I heard it again but I never saw its eyes. I've seen some crazy stuff in the mountains but this simple experience of bumping into a creature in the night and not being able to identify it was truly the most terrifying experience of my life. Few years ago I went on a solo camping trip for 7 days in western Maryland near the Appalachian Trail. Few days into my trip I set up camp a good day's hike from the main path, made my dinner and settled for the night. For whatever reason I couldn't sleep that night despite being exhausted so I decided to give myself a hand sandwich to relax. I was using a cover instead of a sleeping bag so I got out of my sleeping bag, pulled my pants down and started giving myself the business. Keep in mind it's pitch black outside, new moon, reason I went when I did. Halfway through my polishing job I hear someone cough. I immediately stop and hold my breath and listen. Couple seconds pass and more coughing. It's 100% a human cough. I can't tell the direction it came from but it was close 100 yards or so. I call out hello and there's no response. I stood there for what felt like 15 minutes and then sat down and stayed awake the rest of the night. When morning came I spiraled out and searched the area. No signs of any campsite or pushed around ground. Never heard or saw anything after that night and just pushed it to the back of my mind. No one will ever be able to convince me it wasn't a human cough. <laughs>